This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. I want to welcome you to this July 5th edition of Real Talk. Friends, it is two sleeps to the Calgary Stampede Parade. You're going to be there in just a second. We're going to talk to somebody who, well, I can't guarantee she will be, but I have a strong suspicion she will be. Her worship, Calgary's Mayor Jody Kondek, joins us one-on-one on this edition of the show. That's coming up in just a second. We're going to talk about how that city's doing it with its downtown revitalization. We'll get into that arena deal a little bit. We'll talk about Calgary's affordable housing crunch and a whole lot more. Plus, our live-tuning audience, you know I don't have to tell you, we'll take a look at our YouTube live chat for suggestions and storylines. If there's one that elevates above the rest, we'll put that in front of Mayor Gondek. Of course, this is now full swing into summer. For a lot of families, for a lot of parents, your kids have wrapped up the school year and things are winding down at work. Most of us have vacation on the brain, but You're thinking bigger than that, right? You know that summer is the best time to take that real estate course you've been thinking about and start a career that you actually love. Why not leave cubicle life behind for good with Rello? Rello's online real estate courses are fully accredited to help you get your real estate license online in Alberta. And they've just added a commercial real estate course to their offerings with more courses coming soon. Get licensed the easy way with Rello's convenient, self-paced courses. Visit Rello.ca. That's R-E-L-O dot C-A to get started. Well, she's the mayor of uh, one of Calgary's, uh, one of Canada's uh, certainly uh, most economically interesting cities. It's a city that has driven certainly the oil and gas sector vis-a-vis Canada's economic engine, but there have been big challenges through the pandemic, through global dips in oil prices. She's navigating them along with her council, catching the attention of international cities and of course, publications as well. You may have seen her recently figured uh, and featured in the New York Times, the McLean's Magazine as well. And she's always been a great friend to this show. It's a pleasure to welcome back Calgary's Mayor, Dr. Jody Gondek. Do we see you in the office today? Is that where we catch you? That's absolutely where you catch me. Good to see you, Ryan. Yeah, good to see you too. Thanks for making time for us. How, how does the mayor of Calgary prepare for the greatest outdoor show on earth, Two Sleeps Out? What's your reality looking like? Oh, uh, You know what? There's just a lot of excitement and you can't really prepare. You just have to be ready for the fact that there are probably going to be dozens of things going on every day and you need to pop into as many of them as you can and you can never stay as long as you want to. But it is sure exciting to see people out and about and just really celebrating everything that's great about our city. Well, you look pretty comfortable in a cowboy hat. We, we released a, a promo image of you yesterday that you were coming on the show and you wear it well. But I heard a rumor that you're actually not like the hugest fan of like dinner parties and rubbing shoulders and hobnobbing. So how do you navigate the two? You know what? I love dinner parties. I just haven't been able to throw my own very much anymore. So, you know, I love going to events. It's always amazing to meet up with people from the business community and our social service organizations and visitors that are coming to our city. So I'm ready. I've got my hats ready, got my boots ready. 
will be in good shape. And for people that have never been to the Stampede, I know that there's there's obviously a lot of people that absolutely love it. And there's a lot of people, that, you know, big cynics around the Stampede. But but unless you've been there, and I would say unless you've been there as, a, as an adult and maybe as a professional, I'm not talking about the Midway. Uh, I'm not necessarily talking about the casino, but, but it's a place legitimately where a lot of business happens. You're going to see every serious federal political leader there, or at least any political leader with eyes on making gains in Alberta. Obviously, huge parties thrown by a lot of the corporations. Maybe that's changed a little bit with the way that the economy's been over over the last while. But is it the same in, in municipal politics? I mean, do you, do you feel like you kind of got to be in every one of the parties? You you make a statement by attending the ones you do, and you make a statement by not attending the ones you don't. You know, it's interesting. I have to say that uh, my buddy mayors and uh, municipal councillors try to come down as much as they can. And we try to host as much as we can, too. And it's a really good opportunity for us to talk about some of the things that we have in common. Um, Last year, there was a group of mid-city mayors that got together. I took the time to go and chat with them. We talked about issues of housing. We talked about issues of mental health and addiction. So it's not just a place to come together and, and have celebrations. It's also an opportunity for us to, as you said, get some business done. I'm very much looking forward to provincial and federal counterparts being here. A lot of things we need to talk about. Um, But, you know, I have to say, let's not disregard the midway. The midway is actually the thing that attracts a lot of people because they know what to expect. They know there's going to be food vendors. They know there's rides. Uh, They can catch the show dogs. So really, if you want to get a feel for how diverse Calgary is, Go to the Midway. That tells you everything about our city. A hundred percent. Absolutely true. I mean, some of my best sort of like preteen and teenage memories were at the Coca-Cola stage there, uh, seeing some of my favorite bands through the 90s and into the 2000s. Have you people are going to be critical at the top of this interview because this is nothing but softballs and stampede talk. But we'll get into the meat of it in just a second. I'm just like I'm two sleeps out from the stampede. I'm a born and raised Calgary kid. What do you expect? Have you heard uh, about any of the wild and wacky uh, sort of like the food fair that they're going to be selling? There's always something that's just bonkers there. Oh, there's always creepy stuff. Like there's insecty things and then there's weird things. Like I think there is macaroni and cheese ice cream. Um, I'm totally the girl that's going to go for the corn dog stand. Um, yeah. That's that's what you need to eat. Obviously, mini donuts. That's you know a non-starter. Um, so those those are my two favorite things. And if you're taking in the rides, the zipper is the only way to go. That's it's a classic. <laughs> the classic. It is a classic. Uh, I want to talk about you know Calgary's image. Uh, you know certainly obviously known as an oil and gas town for obvious reasons, and certainly known as the Stampede City. But you, you've been gleaning a lot of international attention lately. Uh, Uh, Back in May, people may have seen the New York Times feature on you. Ian Austin wrote it. Calgary's new mayor says her city is more than an oil town. Why do you think there's all this international interest in, in how you define Calgary or how Calgary is starting to maybe redefine itself? I think there's many of us in Calgary that have actually been quite vocal in terms of telling our story and in terms of talking about what our city really is. And I mean, I have challenged Um, international media, especially media from out east in Canada to say, if you're going to write about my city, at least come here. And if you're going to write about what we're doing, at least come and talk to us, come and talk to the businesses, come and talk to the energy sector, come and see what we're actually doing in terms of energy transformation. And then you can write about us, come and see what's happening downtown. And then you can actually write about Stephen Avenue. And the uptake has been amazing. I mean, I sat down with the Globe and Mail editorial board just last week. So I think once you invite people in to actually understand your lived experiences, they feel that they have a story to tell. And I would much prefer the story that gets told about Calgary is 
said by Calgarians themselves. And it's not just me. There's a lot of uh, business leaders that have been doing this. There are a lot of social service sector leaders that have been talking about our city. So I think we're finally controlling the narrative in a way that allows us to express who we really are. Hmm. Uh, we were grateful the, the morning after you were elected, uh, both yourself and Edmonton's new mayor, Amarjeet Sohi, uh, granted interviews to Real Talk. I don't know if you know this, but it's one of our top five most downloaded episodes. And I think I know why. I think it's because when I asked you about the very first order of business, the very first thing going across your desk, you said you were going to declare a climate emergency. And a lot of people applauded you for it. And a lot of people were fiercely critical of that comment. Your 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 boldness when it's come to that energy transformation certainly hasn't probably endeared you to everybody in downtown Calgary. How do you navigate that as, as the leader of a city council, as an elected mayor? We have two, two options when you get elected. You can either try to be popular or you can try to get the job done. And my focus has always been on getting the job done. And I can tell you that when I meet with uh, people from the energy sector, they're grateful that we're finally getting attention for the initiatives that we are doing around decarbonization, that we are finally talking about the fact that we have an energy transition center in our city. We are finally able to express the fact that we have a Pathways Alliance who's been focused on zero emissions for quite some time. So the fact that we declared a climate emergency actually drew the type of attention we needed. And it's also drawing the capital that we need. And without those kind of bold moves, we're not going to move further ahead. And it's amazing to see that when you look at our tech startup world, 60% of those tech companies that chose to locate in Calgary are focused on the oil and gas sector to help them achieve their targets. So, you know, sometimes you've got to make a bold move. Things need to be said. And uh, that's what I did together with my council. Have you seen like a, a movement or a shift in public attitudes around things like a climate emergency declaration or the impact of climate change? I was just down in Calgary, Kananaskis country over the weekend. Obviously, it's some of my favorite stomping grounds, uh, just like it feels like everywhere else across the country right now. There was that unmistakable wildfire haze for a good portion of that weekend. It kind of is reiterating to people, I think, that this is an issue. But are you noticing a shift in public opinion? Yeah, I think when the public is impacted by something in a very visceral way, it becomes significant for them. And certainly the wildfire situation that we had up north was a reminder to all of us that um, our environment is precious and we need to take care of it. I think the fact that um, all across North America, people are feeling the effects of wildfires is reminding everybody that we do have a very important task ahead of us, and that is to take care of climate. We need to take care of the environment. And I have to say that, you know, there, there's sometimes little things that spark something in people. I'll give you a really good example. Our local grocer, Calgary Co-op, came up with a brilliant initiative to do compostable grocery bags. And I remember thinking that was the greatest thing. When I shopped at Co-op, I would bring home the compostable bags and I'd use them in my little home bin. I thought it was a great idea. Um, unfortunately, the federal government is not giving them an exemption to be able to use those bags. They're classifying them as single-use plastic. So uh, people in Calgary are not too impressed. We have a local company who's done something brilliant. And just because nobody else caught on to it doesn't mean our local company shouldn't be able to leverage the fact that they have done something very smart and that they've done something that is really going to make an impact on the environment.
Uh, Edmonton just over the weekend implemented a, a new law. I'm sure you saw it about about uh, single use plastics. So so food vendors like basically restaurants, takeout places. Uh, nobody's going to see their Uber driver dropping off plastic bags anymore. No more styrofoam containers. Fast food places are charging now 15 cents for paper bags. Uh, I'm kind of embarrassed to say I don't know what Calgary's doing on this front. What are you doing? We have been looking at what the federal government is going to put into place, and we've just been trying to keep pace. So the one thing we did is said that if uh, the federal government does go ahead with a ban or a limitation, we need to make sure that the playing field is level for all operators. So uh, we instituted, well, we will be instituting if we need to, a bylaw that says the cost of a plastic bag will be X amount and it needs to be consistent in all locations so that you're not surprised by going to one store and it's a dollar and you're going to another one and it's five bucks. So uh, we've just been waiting to see what it is that the federal government is going to impose. Uh, I was hanging out socializing with a couple of members of, of Edmonton's downtown recovery coalition uh, last night. Let them know I was going to be talking to you and they're, they're going to be very curious to hear for your take on, on what you're doing in Calgary's downtown. I don't have to tell you that urban centers across the country are struggling with crime. Obviously, COVID and other factors have created uh, significant vacancies in commercial space. Um, Edmonton, uh, the struggle is real and obvious and apparent and guests on our show often talk about it. And uh, I want to be an optimist and uh, we've invested in Edmonton's downtown. It's where we built our city in Calgary. The city's not been afraid to, to pour as far as I can tell, almost a hundred million dollars to this point into a new plan. To, it's a pretty bold one to convert 6 million square feet of office space into new use. And you're about a third of the way there already. How are you doing it? So we have committed to a downtown revitalization strategy that was actually um, devised by a group of individuals. There was partnerships with the commercial real estate sector, building owners, um, you know, downtown associations, as well as our administration. So when the plan came to council, it was fulsome. And every significant stakeholder said, this will work if you commit to it. And so we did back in 2021 in the spring, and we committed about $200 million as a city. And a portion of that was an incentive program. Right now, we have a $100 million incentive program. $86 million has been deployed towards office to residential conversion projects. That has attracted $189 million in private sector capital. There are 10 projects on the go, and it is going to be just over a million square feet being converted into 1,200 new homes downtown. And that's really something we had to focus on. For a very long time, we had a single-use downtown. And that was, you go there, you work, and then you leave. We've now realized that the investments we need to make into a great arts uh, destination, into the theater district, into you know places like the Glenbow Museum and Arts Commons and Olympic Plaza, those are the big draws. They attract people to a downtown. But you also have to have park spaces and amenities that can allow families to live downtown as well. So we're very bullish on downtown revitalization. And we are two years into a 10-year plan. And we are about 30% of target. Hmm. Uh, it's It's been interesting to see both Edmonton and Calgary navigating there are these big footprints right downtown that are, that are kind of deadsville 
in Edmonton, it's the City Center Mall, which is about four square blocks right in the heart of downtown. And I've heard all kinds of creative ideas on what they might do with it. But but if you walk through it right now, I mean, there's basically tumbleweed blowing through the hallways like it's it, it's 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 almost what you feel like you've been left behind. You know, the apocalypse has happened and, and, and you're left here to navigate the rest of it. In Calgary, maybe not apples and apples, but Eau Claire Market and, and that area right around the river, right around Princess Island Park, kind of the same sort of a thing. Does that surprise you? Does that show you that like, is, is, it, is it people's shopping and socializing habits have changed? Is it that people are looking for different ways to recreate? What, how do you wrap your mind around it? The Eau Claire location in particular, uh, I mean, you know, it, it, its location is is almost incomparable in Calgary. You, you, you'd think it couldn't fail, uh, but it's really been struggling. What do you think is going on? You know, it's interesting that you asked me that question because I'm a sociologist. Mm. And probably the one thing that warmed my heart was when Tishman Spire, a major real estate owner in New York, came out and said, we need to be sociologists when we imagine how to develop spaces. Um, so they went into this mixed use model of buildings where there's a concierge service and there's all the things that you would need to access during your daily routine. I think when we planned Eau Claire Market, it worked back in the day, but you have to be adaptable to how people are changing and how they want to interact with the space you've created. And having been from Winnipeg and gone back to visit several times over the last 25 years, the um, work that's been put into um, the forks and the idea that you can actually sit outside at a picnic table and grab whatever food you want from a vendor inside and grab a beer from, you know, one of the merchants that's outside that really made it a good congregation spot. And it didn't feel like you had to be in a restaurant. They have warming huts. They're doing all kinds of things to activate that space in the winter. So they've really embraced this concept of being a winter city. And I don't know that Calgary has quite gotten there. I I think we're struggling to get there. Um, But it's important with spaces like that that are that big that you pay attention to what people are looking to do. And you do little trials. You do little pilots of what might work. So Mm. I have full faith that Eau Claire area will come back. And I know that, um, you know, the developer that's doing some work there is also engaged with the Green Line team. So um, it is going to be a destination again soon. Yeah, I don't know if I believe what I'm about to say, but I wonder if it's less of a priority for Calgary to market itself as, as a winter city because it's way closer to the mountains. It's easier for people to get out and 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 participate in winter activities out there. I mean, 45 minutes to Canmore, an hour and a bit, and you're into the mountains. In Edmonton, it's four hours to Jasper. Uh, not to say that people don't make the trip. We make the trip all the time. But I think that Edmonton has more of that stay-and-play mandate for its own economic reasons, maybe less than Calgary. Do you think so? I think Calgary has long relied on the mountains as our draw, and that's not our draw. We have many other things that people um, just haven't talked about. It's just like the story of Calgary hasn't been told. The story of what you can do here also needs to be told differently. Arts Commons and the theaters that they run are, you know, incomparable when it comes to performances and the types of activities that you can take in there. The Glenville Museum through a generous donation from a local family is going to be free admission forever for anyone. This is a big move. It's the first of its kind in Canada. We've got the National Music Center, which serves as Canada's Music Hall of Fame, the new Central Library. And this is just along a couple of blocks. If you actually go all the way down Stephen Avenue, and then you take a cruise down 8th, and then you come up 17th, you hit the Stampede Grounds, and you come up a little bit north, and it's that complete circuit that you can do in a couple of days. And visitors understand that because they're looking for things to do. But as Calgarians, I don't know that we've gone out and explored not just downtown, but all parts of our city. You know, we need to get out to Fish Creek Park. We need to get up to Nose Hill. These are things that we do, but we don't talk about. So I'm very interested when people come to Calgary in keeping them here and showing them how amazing our city is.
Uh, Tracy on our live chat says, I applaud Calgary for transforming office space to affordable housing. Uh, she says, I'm noticing some in Edmonton, but most are condos that are pretty pricey. I don't think Calgary deserves to totally get off the hook. And, and I also don't necessarily think that, you know, the free market operating freely is a huge problem. Uh, I, I kind of find myself caught in the middle of there. My brother and his wife just bought a new home in Lake Bonavista uh, in Southeast Calgary. They were telling me that it's just absolutely bonkers there right now. People are lined up, multiple showings, everything's selling for 10, 15, 20% over asking price, competing offers. Nobody's getting the homes inspected. I mean, it's just wild. Uh, realtors love it. I don't know that home buyers love it. And, and Calgary does have an affordable housing crunch. I'll, I'll quote uh, journalist Kelly Kreiderman, who does a great job here yesterday, uh, tweeting that uh, according to the Calgary Real Estate Board, Calgary's housing affordability is eroding. Uh, another example in data on detached homes in yesterday's uh, report, rather July 3rd's report, of all the inventory in June in Calgary, uh, only 24% was priced below 600 grand, uh, a significant drop from last year where that market segment represented about 45% of the supply. That's pretty dramatic in, in one year. What's the city doing about it? Let me ask you this as, as sort of a parallel question. How do you feel as, as a mayor or as a politician about interfering in the free market? My goal is never to interfere in the free market. My goal is to make sure that market conditions are also um, reflective of, you know, everything that's going on in the city. So it can't just be free market alone. You also have to think about the people that need some supports right now. So while the free market might be doing all right, we need to make sure that people who need some sort of a subsidy or, you know, a bit of a hand up in terms of home, home ownership are also prioritized. So as a city, we created a housing and affordability task force that was something that uh, Councillor Courtney Walcott brought forward last year. And the results of that Housing and Affordability Task Force were presented to us last month. And there's a lot of important information in there, like things like we need to make sure that we're leveraging city-owned land to create housing. Uh, making sure that we are advocating to the provincial government to do reviews of rents because people who are renting are saying, my rents are going up. It's uh, something that I can't sustain anymore. We have made a commitment to Indigenous housing. There's all kinds of ideas within that housing and affordability task force report that we need to be implementing as a city. And in September, on the 14th of September at a committee meeting, our administration will be coming to us and saying, these are the big, bold moves that we think you need to make as a council. So that's going to be a pretty significant day for us. Uh, people are talking about this arena deal in Calgary. And uh, the one thing that really kind of, I don't know if I say, say, say shook me. It's a little dramatic, but I took note of it. Uh, was, was the the apparent collaboration uh, between yourself and the United Conservatives through that campaign period, or at least before the campaign period. And, and I think it would be fair to say that you and Daniel Smith or that you and the provincial conser conservative government haven't always seen eye to eye on everything. Some folks have suggested that the deal's not the best deal that Calgary could get. And a lot of people have wondered if the UCP and if Daniel Smith quite frankly, kind of used you to win seats or win votes in Calgary. What would you say to those people? I would say that uh, we spent 16 months coming up with the best possible deal, and we engaged a consultant, CAA Icon, to bring potential partners to the table and figure out what a deal structure could look like. And they did a fantastic job. So we've got four partners 
Calgary Stampede, Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation, the provincial government and the local government who have made commitments to revitalizing this area. And this is a really important thing that I think people lose sight of. We are actually now able to create an entertainment and culture district in Calgary on the southern side of the Rivers District. So, you know, on the north side, we've got East Village. It's been amazing. The growth has been incredible. Now we've got to do the same thing on the south side. So this project actually allows us to put in all of the infrastructure that's needed, all of the roadways, the underpasses, the sidewalks, the public realm improvements that create that district. So this time it's about a district being created that happens to have an event center as well as a community rink and public performance spaces and all of the things that you need really to get that kind of an area up off the ground, that's gonna spark interest from commercial investors, from hotels and residential. So really it's a catalyst for the type of change that we need in that area. Does it matter to you that Edmonton didn't receive any provincial funding nor support for its arena district and Calgary is? Everything happens at a point in time. And you know I can't compare that deal to our deal because times are very different. We have a situation where we have a community revitalization levy that's been in place for many years. And the provincial government is not taking their share of tax and we are not either. We are investing it back into that area to make sure it grows and it thrives. Once that area is complete, both the provincial government and our local government will be able to use that tax uplift throughout the city and throughout the province. So it's important for us to see that grow because we've invested heavily in that area. Back in March, there was, uh, I don't know what it was, I guess about a half a million dollars at play that had become unavailable or, quote, gone missing as it was reported. And that meant that that Calgary through FCSS had pulled its support for mental health funding uh, and the Canadian Mental Health Association had dropped some support services in Calgary. They actually closed some clinics, as you obviously know. Uh, it impacted supports for suicide bereavement, supporters of suicide loss, a grief and loss, etc. cetera. Uh, I'm not always a fan, especially in budget coverage, of taking expenditures and stacking them up up side by side, but it's tough to ignore 500,000 unavailable for mental health supports and 537 million available for the arena. Now that the arena deal's done, do, do the mental health supports get restored? The mental health supports that the city has invested in have gone up over time. We have a mental health and addiction strategy that we have invested millions of dollars into. And if you talk to the Canadian Mental Health Association, they will tell you that they were grateful that the city stepped up for as long as we did. It was not our jurisdiction to fund those programs. So we did what we could for a very long period of time. It doesn't mean that we are ignoring that there are mental health issues that we need to confront as a city, but we can't do this alone. We can't do this without the provincial and federal government governments helping us out. And I think what people have lost sight of is we stepped up and filled a gap for many years. But when you start cutting more and more funding to municipalities, we end up having to go back to a lot of our for services. So um, I've had those conversations with the Canadian Mental Health Association, had many conversations with social service providers in our city. We're doing our best as a municipality to ensure we fund what we can, but we need the help from the federal and provincial governments as well. Uh, my little guy, seven years old, is just getting into building uh, with Minecraft. He's starting to explore this. And I heard that the Calgary Board of Education actually has an initiative where they're using Minecraft uh, to help kids understand a little bit more about city building. Do you know much about this? Do you know anything about this? 
I do know about this. Actually, Calgary was the first city in the world to embrace this. So when the Calgary Board of Education decided to do this Minecraft partnership, it's a program called Level Up. And it was kids in grade four, five and six that were coming up with some great ideas on how they would like to see their city progress into the future. And it's remarkable, the projects that they came up with. We asked them to reimagine downtown spaces. And they came back with ideas that used words like, we want to make it accessible. We want people to feel like they belong here. We want to make sure that everyone is represented. These kids get it. And they are just so smart at not only using this tool, but it gives us some insight into how their minds work and the things that they prioritize. And if we are not looking at what future generations are seeking from our city, we're never going to get it right. So I'm so grateful that we had this opportunity and other cities in the world have followed suit. Uh, Mayor, last question for you. Uh, you and I have also spoken about uh, controversial, I'll actually use the word disgraced, Calgary City Councilor Sean Chu. And there was some talk about him following allegations of abuse during his time serving with the Calgary Police Service, including sexual abuse involving a minor, uh, that he would not be sworn in as a city councilor. I was blown away and also sort of in a disgusting way, not surprised that he managed uh, to get elected. Where does that stand right now? And, and how are your interactions with that counselor? And, and, and how is his presence on council impacting the team? In November of last year, I had to be public about the fact that this man had taken photos of my license plate and posted them publicly, which is a clear violation of everything that's moral in this world. Um, and I actually worked with council to send a letter to the provincial government to say, Calgary Police Commission has done a report and they've come back and said that if the assessment of what he did to that young girl in the past, if the conditions were the ones they are today, there would have been more grave penalties. You need to review that report and you need to tell us if you're gonna do something about it. And so far they've been silent. We have done everything we can, and he continues to be a member of council. So how are you sitting in the room? How are you sitting in council chambers with this guy? You have to do what you have to do. I have a job. I have people to serve, and I will serve them regardless of what kind of obstacles I have to deal with. That's Calgary's mayor, Dr. Jody Gondek. Uh, two sleeps out from the Calgary Stampede. We sure appreciate Yeehaw! Oh, by the way, I saw that Lauren, uh, one of our live chat, had asked this. I already know the right answer. Uh, he says, is it yahoo or yeehaw you know what it's formally yahoo but if you said yeehaw and you tipped your hat yeah, nobody, it wouldn't be a crime nobody would judge, but you're, yahoo 100 percent of the time thanks oh. good to see you mayor good to see you too have yeah, a great day you as well uh, let us know what you thought of that interview talk at ryanjesperson.com um yee-hoo. always good to connect with yeehoo <laughs> It's got to be Yahoo. It's the best of both worlds. It's Yahoo. And you even see it in the Saddle Dome up on the Jumbotron. They spell it out for you. It goes, yeah, and then it goes, who? It's the Canadian version. Yeehaw it's is a Can- American. Is that right? <laughs> Just, I don't Yeehaw know. does feel a little bit more like Tennessee. It's got a bit more of a Tennessee vibe to it. Uh, I appreciate the, the engagement with the audience this morning. I saw a lot of people talking about uh, uh, sprawl and land use and lo- and losing really valuable topsoil cropland. Um, and that certainly is uh, something that uh, we've talked about on the show in past. Uh, remember, we had the Nature Conservancy of Canada here mm-hmm. uh, within the last month, I think it was, talking mm-hmm. about the prairie grasslands disappearing. Yeah. Uh, you can find that in our YouTube archive uh, or, of course, wherever you find your podcasts. And, and that certainly is a very real issue uh, that people are talking about. And, mm-hmm. and Calgary's... It's one of those urban centers with a bigger footprint, yeah. Uh, which means that you know you can have a big backyard uh, and you can have the big shopping centers, mm-hmm. and, and and these are 
the ways that a lot of Canadian cities are built and cities around the world. Yeah. But it's always interesting to hear what cities like Calgary are doing, investing hundreds of millions of dollars, frankly, kickstarting. Uh, revitalizing those downtown spaces and turning that office space around as well. Yeah, I drove through it on my way to Invermere uh, on the weekend. It's just getting better downtown. And Calgary just like, and it's nothing on Edmonton. I love Edmonton, but Calgary's a beautiful city. You just, you know, you get that gateway to the mountains and everything. So, yeah. Unreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting that she said that sort of, what, what were her exact words? Like Calgary's not not re- not relied on the mountains too long, but kind of Calgary's been known for the mountains mm-hmm. for a little too long, saying we're about a lot more than that. Because mm-hmm. if you I, talk to people in Edmonton, they go, well, Edmonton's got, th- this is like the laziest way to characterize how people <laughs> see the two cities. First of all, Calgary's white collar, Edmonton's blue collar. Of course. That, that's like kind of the laziest way to describe yeah. them. Um, Calgary's where all the decision makers and the pencil pushers work. Yeah. And Edmonton's where everybody that runs the drilling rigs and and you know uh, operates oil field services edmonton is the city of blue jean millionaires and quiet money Mm. edmonton is the city where the guy driving the f-150 lariat is worth 45 million (laughs) dollars but you would never know it calgary's the city where the guy driving the maserati is eating craft dinner so he can make the car payments that's kind of (laughs) that's kind of how that's the laziest way to describe the two cities and then people will say on the arts and culture front or on the entertainment front Edmonton's got the more organic grassroots arts and culture scene, mm-hmm. more independent restaurants, more vibrant theater, mm-hmm. the festivals, that sort of a thing. And and people in Calgary are going to blow a gasket right now when they hear me saying this because they have their own vibrant arts community, their too, own yeah. fabulous restaurants as well. Mm-hmm. But everybody kind of sees Calgary as a little bit more corporate. I think Calgary's downtown is way better. I don't think oh, that yeah. it, you can even compare it. And getting better. so yeah. And getting better at that. So I know a lot of people would like to see so, uh, you know cities like Edmonton maybe take a page. Not that Calgary has solved all of its problems far from it affordable housing is a real issue Mm -hmm. i was looking at like i said my brother and his sister and his my brother and his sister my sister-in-law uh my brother and his wife they're they they do well uh they're both professionals but Mm -hmm. like housing prices are nuts insane like you're like if you're looking for just like a normal and like i said they're moving into lake bonavista beautiful neighborhood for sure Mm -hmm. but like a normal like a house that's not Bonkers is like 850, 900, 950. Yeah. People in Vancouver are laughing right now. People in Toronto are laughing because it's <laughs> three mil in Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, but I know that's tough for a lot of families. Like she said, I appreciated the mayor's comments on the point of entry yeah. for people, those that are trying to just get their foot in the door. Both cities have their ups and downs. So, so what you're saying is move to Red Deer. What you're, the saying, both of, what you're saying is move to get, beautiful get, Lacombe, <laughs> Alberta. And why not? Shout out to our viewers in Lacombe and Red Deer in central Alberta. Before we go any further, you know, every Wednesday, speaking of the mountains, uh, we have a chance to, to kind of get outside and, and celebrate the absolute gems, the natural gems. And of course, the biggest one that we love to talk about is Jasper National Park. We call it My Jasper Memories. Every Wednesday here on Real Talk, it's presented by our friends at Tourism Jasper. And we wanted to talk to you today about bears. That's right. You know, there's this time of year, a whole bunch of bears are being spotted around the national park, which is very cool. A lot of bears are being spotted around the park. So it's a great time to remind people about some of the important things that you need to know about these animals. Now, this is the biggest national park in the Canadian Rockies, and Jasper is famous for its wildlife. Both black bears, grizzly bears live in the region, um, and they're super impressive. Let me tell you a story. Johnny, do we have time for some story time here? I love story time. You want to put this up on the screen? I'm going to take you back. No, but forgive me for the grainy image. Uh, this, This was shot at a distance with... 
you know, kind of an entry level camera. This is the camera that bangs around in my backpack. But we were hiking several years ago the Moose River route. This this kind of circumvents Mount Robson in a way. So like just right near Jasper, just a bit past Jasper, continuing to head west. Uh, and we're walking through the beautiful wildflower-laden meadows of Moose Pass. And we come over a, a, a crest. We come over this hill. And what do we see but a beautiful sow grizzly, big mama bear, and two cubs. And, of course, we were at a, at a safe distance and uh, far enough away that, of course, mama noticed us. She, she actually stood up. I don't know what it's called when bears do this. You know, they stand up on their hind legs and you realize that they're like 10 feet tall. Uh, and uh, just a, a wonderful experience. We were far enough away that we didn't disturb them. We didn't disrupt them. Of course, we're hiking with our bells on our backpacks. We had our bear spray. We had our bear bangers. But you never want to deploy that stuff if you don't have to, right? And so we had an absolutely wonderful experience seeing these three magnificent animals make their way lazily through those wildflower-laden meadows and then up onto that shale rock you can see. Uh, I'll never forget seeing Mama climb up on those rocks. Uh, number one, how deft she was, how quick she was, how graceful and majestic she was. But also the way that the sunlight was hitting the hair on her back as she would move, you could see her shoulders. And it was just, I was in awe. I mean, I'm getting chills telling you this story. And friends, this hike was more than 10 years ago. These two cubs scrambling around her, one of them behind, one of them exploring ahead. I mean, just absolutely incredible. Now, it, it's the biggest national park in the Canadian Rockies. So it's really no surprise that Jasper would be famous for its wildlife. If you want to see a bear in Jasper, or if you do happen to spot one while you're in the park, always follow these essential wildlife watching rules, and they'll help uh, keep both you and the bears safe. So for the best chances of spotting wildlife while also following regulations, we recommend going on one of the really great daily wildlife tours that they have available. You got to remember a few things. Number one, obviously, it goes without saying these animals are wild. Okay, so whether you're going to see a, a, a black bear, a grizzly bear, uh, a, a mountain goat, uh, a moose, whatever it is. If you're lucky enough to see a moose, I mean, unbelievable. Go buy a lottery ticket. Uh, always keep your distance. There's like these accounts on Instagram, and all they show is tourists getting too close to animals. Uh, and everybody's always cheering for the animal in the video, but you don't want that to happen. Uh, so use a, use a telephoto lens. Uh, remain at least, at least 100 meters away from bears, cougars, wolves, and at least 30 meters away from elk, deer, sheep, goats, and moose. I was kicked in the chest by a deer when I was a young lad. I'll never forget it. I had a bison incident. Remember that? Oh, man. At elk How close Island? did you get to it? Very close. Very close. Too close. Bad. Too close. Never feed the wildlife. Real talkers. I know this is the smartest talk audience it's in rule Canada. One. You already know. Don't feed the wildlife. You know that. Be aware of your surroundings at all times. If you see bear cubs, mama is not far away. That's for sure. And if you do see a bear by the road, um, there's nothing like it. I remember driving on the Trans Canada once into British Columbia and seeing a grizzly bear. This was, as a matter of fact, just before the Coquihalla ran across and the speed was just incredible. Running over the, you know, those concrete barriers mm -hmm. that separate the different uh, directions of traffic. It just leapt. I'm just amazed. Can you tell I'm a big fan of bears? <laughs> Can you tell I've got bear paintings up in my garage? 
all over the place. You know, bears can run onto the road, though, especially if there's a lot of people approaching too closely. This is a bit of a gut punch. In the past 10 years, I had to I, I, I fact check this because I couldn't believe it, and it's true. In the last 10 years, 125 bears have been killed on roads in the Mountain National Parks. So consider not stopping, but if you do wish to stop, pull safely out of traffic, stay in your vehicle, take a picture, and then move on. Uh, make sure if you're not in a vehicle, like you're, you're riding your bike, you and your friends are on a big roadie and you're heading down that beautiful Highway 16, maybe down to the Icefields Parkway, um, clap, sing, yell to announce your presence. Uh, and if you do encounter a bear, stay calm, pick up your kids, stay in a group and back away slowly. Uh, you can visit jasper.travel to learn more about what your Jasper adventure could look like, as well as to explore multiple wildlife sightseeing options adventure and wonder lies in wait when you venture beyond in jasper national park we'd love to see your videos your photos make sure you use the hashtags what my jasper and real talk rj to share your jasper memories what is it they say if it's black fight back if it's brown lay down Something like I think that. That's the, the, the I feel adage. like if if you're ever and and not to make light of it because obviously it's like deadly serious. When Don't take bears attack. Advice from me. But I, I feel guess. like I'm going to forget everything. <laughs> if it ever did <laughs> All happen, goes out the window. I mean, I just have like you know, you, I, I have every possible thing that you can buy aside from like a shotgun. Uh-huh. Don't carry firearms into the national park. Uh, you'll be arrested for it. But like with bear bangers, bear spray, yeah, bear bells, yeah, you should be good. But still, there are these accidental encounters that people have. And, and if they happen in the right way, yeah, uh, it, it feels like it's like a spiritual experience. Magical. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of tools, though. You need like a bear belt with all those bear. Yeah, well, things. I got the, I got the bear spray on my <laughs> chest and I got the bear bangers, uh, yeah. you know, right. Easily accessible in my cargo short, not you co- screwed in. You come in just all suited up. They're like, is this guy coming to fight the bears? <laughs> is this guy like, literally for to, bears? bear war. What was the bison story? Uh, so I went to Elk Island. This was like uh, a year, a year and a half before COVID. And, you know, bison are everywhere. If you've ever been to Elk Island, they're on the side of the road. You got to drive slow. Um, and I got out to take a picture. And normally, like, bison will either stay put or they'll be like, fuck off. And they'll kind of like start moseying on. This one just kind of was looking at me like, I was like, oh. And it started to become that magical experience that you are talking about. I was like, there's a connection here. Me and this bison, we were like, you know, friends in another life, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, man. <laughs> Reincarnated. We were brothers in another. Anyways, so I just started walking towards it and got got a little too close. And it, it you know, banged its, its hooves and, and started. And my wife was like, get in the car. Yeah. And there's video of it. Which, uh, yeah, maybe I'll get it up this week. But it was, it was not my proudest moment. It was stupid. It was bison, very stupid. Bison and there were kids around and are, parents. Uh, and they were like, one guy was like, you fucking idiot. They're absolute. <laughs> they're, I, I know I'm sitting the obvious here, but massive animals. Huge. Massive animals. Uh, we've got a couple stories that we're keeping an eye on. We're going to get to the details on this in just a bit. Uh, a Serb scam that you're not going to oh, believe. Man. Remember the <laughs> Don't give details yet. This is Jeez. this is wild. Remember the, the, the what was it called? The, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit or something like mm-hmm. that, whatever it was. Serb, you know, the two grand a month during COVID. You won't believe who is claiming it. Plus, they found a suspicious package at the White House. We're going to get to those details. <laughs> but first, I want to let you know that our friends at Friesen Brothers every month are introducing new family essentials, easy family meal solutions. These are 
simple but really interesting recipes that can be made using the products that are featured in the Family Essentials Flyer. Now, there's a ton of summer recipes available in this month's Family Essentials, from barbecue tips to, to salads to sips. The full flyer is available online at Friesen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N.com. I love those baby trio potatoes that they're featuring. Cut those things in half. Toss them in a little olive oil with some cracked pepper and some sea salt. Wrap them in tin foil. Throw them on the grill off the heat. Maybe 25, 30 minutes before you throw your meat on, and I will tell you, that is going to be one of the most spectacular potato dishes you can serve during barbecue season, proudly presented by Friesen Brothers. Our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy want you to know that they're hiring right now. If you're an electrician or maybe an electrical apprentice that's looking for work, check out their website today, kubienergy.ca. You can click on the careers link to go directly to what they're offering up, or check this out. I want to show you this on my screen. Their products and services, you get a better idea of what the company is all about. Solar panels, solar energy services, Kubi's doing home, commercial, agricultural, industrial, you name it, they're pushing Canada's energy movement forward in the right, the green, the sustainable direction. I love this review from Emily, who says, Kubi's among the top three best service experiences I've ever encountered in my lifetime. Emily says, I'm so incredibly impressed by what a turnkey, full-service, hassle-free company they are. Each team member, a pleasure to work with, from the sales team to the installers. You can tell they have a positive work environment, and they love what they do. Maybe it's because they have cold beer on tap at Kubi headquarters. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's it. You can check out kubienergy.ca today. If you're looking to save money as a business owner, maybe big business, maybe it's a small ma and pa shop, or, or maybe you're working on behalf of a municipality in Alberta and Saskatchewan for garbage and recycling, keep it local. Local environmental services can virtually guarantee you're going to pay less with them than they are with your current provider. Plus, they guarantee more support for local causes. It's what they've built the company on. You can check them out online at localenvironmental.ca. Click on the Who is Local link to learn a little bit more about that company. And don't forget, Local Environmental Services presenting Trash Talk every Friday here on the show. Your chance to blow off a little steam. Send us your rant today to talk at ryanjesperson.com. We were talking about summer opportunities and using these next couple of months to maybe pursue a goal that's been on your radar for a while. If that involves post-secondary education or maybe prepping yourself for a competitive job market, take a couple of minutes today to check out Athabasca University Online. Athabasca is Canada's open university with world-class accredited online programs and courses. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, because number one, your only commute is to your device. And number two, you set the pace of your studies. So if the family's going away for a week, or if you just need to kick your feet up, or maybe you just need a mental health break and you want to step away from your course load, you're not going to fall behind. That's huge. On the flip side, if you've got some extra time on your hands and you want to fast forward the pace of what you're studying, maybe that degree or that course that you're pursuing at AU, you can do that and get it done as soon as you like. You can learn more about the admissions process, even hear testimonials from current students by visiting athabascau.ca.
testing out the super chats today. If anyone wants to, hey, let's talk about that. So, so yeah. this is a feature that we have uh, live on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone has it, not just us, Ryan. But yeah. <laughs> Thanks for taking a big shit on the promo, John. Great job. But basically, uh, yeah, yeah, you put a small donation and we're going to throw your comment up on the screen. I am moderating it. So, you know, obviously you can't, you know, name call, no hate speech and stuff like that. But we're going to we're going to test it out today. I've got a separate window open to make sure it shows up on YouTube. We should set a price where where you can say nasty things about me on the super chat. <laughs> yes, it's one thousand dollars. It's one thousand dollars. Call can, Ryan can, any if, name in the book. If you keep my family out of it for a thousand dollars, you can say something super nasty, and we'll keep it up for what an hour. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So so it's just at the bottom. If you're looking at the chat, there's a little dollar sign there, and there's there's thanks, there's chat, there's stickers. I don't know. It's all sorts of crazies. I'm gonna mess with it after the show, like go on somebody else's live show. Yeah. And and kind of do my own donations and see if they show up and see how they do it as well. But I'm just testing it out. We're today. looking for ways to, to uh, b- provide people more opportunities to get engaged and to have fun with it. Well, we to, can't read to leverage the tools that YouTube has. We can't read everyone's questions and comments. That's so right. it, it could be pretty funny when, or, or it could be a bad, like when we have a guest on, right? But it, it'd be nice, right? To yeah. throw up a comment about what they're saying. Well, this is the people's show. Sometimes people don't get them in. There's so many comments. Right? Yeah, so. absolutely. We sure appreciate this engaged audience. Uh, before we get into the stories, I want to take a quick second just to let you know that applications are officially open for the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship. So we hope that uh, somebody hears this, uh, the right person hears this, and we're counting on the universe to make this happen. Of course, we'll be giving you reminders over the next couple of months. Uh, this is an opportunity for a post-secondary student anywhere in Canada um, that has experienced a significant loss that's lost a parent to cancer to take a bit of the financial load off of their shoulders to take that financial burden off of their shoulders at least a portion of it it's in memory of our wonderful friend Julie Rohr and I'm so grateful for all of the uh, supporters and the golfers the party animals that attended our Real Talk Golf Classic a couple of Thursdays ago helping us raise John if you can believe this um, I can release the fundraising total we completed it yesterday fifty thousand six hundred and seventy seven dollars raised at the golf classic uh, which will fund 10 of these scholarships it's five thousand dollars for one year uh to a post-secondary student that's registered at a, at a post-secondary institution anywhere in canada the applications close august 1st uh, so i want to tell you how to find it it's very simple we've made it as easy as we possibly can you go to our website ryanjesperson.com i'm going to put this in the show notes as well you go to the connect link and you'll see that drop down menu you click on scholarship and there you you can learn a bit about it, the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship, and then download the application. Uh, the application asks you some simple questions. What prompted you to enroll in your current program? How has losing your parent impacted your life, including your studies? You know, what or who inspires you and why? Uh, these types of questions. We want to know a little bit about our applicants. We, we narrow it down to 10, and then our Real Talk editorial board selects the winner. It was a huge honor and a very powerful moment at our Real Talk Golf Classic to hear from the first ever recipient of that scholarship. And I think we have a clip, don't we, Johnny? Hani Bombaywala uh, is a nursing student at the University of Alberta. Uh, her family immigrated to Canada. Her mom uh, doesn't speak English. Her dad was supporting the family as the sole breadwinner. And he was diagnosed with a very aggressive cancer. Honey and their family lost him quickly and at a very young age. 
And after she was awarded that scholarship, she joined us right here on Real Talk to explain the impact of being a young student with eyes on a career, but losing a pillar in her life. Not a lot of students who go through what I go through get an opportunity like this. There's not a lot of opportunities with kids whose parents have passed away from cancer to apply to these scholarships. And a lot of them go through a lot of financial struggle um, afterwards. And not a lot of people realize how hard it is to work yourself um, back up and be able to go to school, especially when you're dealing with grief yourself. It's certainly not easy. And I can just tell Julie was an amazing, bright individual who did so much for her community. And I'm really grateful to her. That was a powerful moment. Uh, Hani, uh, of course, not has uh, just a really bright career ahead of her. And uh, we're really honored to have her uh, forevermore as our inaugural recipient. Do you know somebody that would be a perfect choice for recipient number two? Make sure you tell them about the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship again under the connect link at ryanjesperson.com. Let's get to this Serb story. This is wild. <laughs> So this is making news, I think, across the country. And uh, maybe, Johnny, you can give us the details. But the number one thing that I'm wondering about is how did these people think that they were going to get away with this? You know, this is like kind of one of those like world's dumbest criminals type scenario. You have to assume at some point, if you were collecting CERB, that someone was going to look into it. I mean, maybe it would be months later. Maybe it would be years later. Mm -hmm. But this story's wild. It's insane. And so they've already fired 20 employees. Uh, as of June 30th, 2023, as part of an investigation. So some of the workers were literally at work. No, you got to say where they're working. At the CRA. At the CRA. <laughs> I thought you already said it. No. So the Canada Revenue, Revenue Agency has fired uh, 20 employees, and they're doing a huge investigation. More employees are probably going to get canned. Uh, so basically, these workers are at work. You know, processing all this COVID, these COVID payments, these CERB payments, getting money out to people. But at the same time, while working all these hours, some of them like crazy overtime because during COVID, they were like all hands on deck and accepting their own CERB payments at the same time. So like, this is just the ultimate fuck you to like i don't know if they were trying to screw over the government, but it feels like a fuck you to everyone else too as well because Everyone who couldn't work couldn't work and was taking the CERB, but they were doing both at the same time. So a spokesperson confirmed that the CRA is currently investigating about 650 employees uh, who they feel have taken uh, CERB payments that were not uh, correct. And also uh, they, they made a statement saying they understand the importance of transparency and integrity. Um, and the CRA also ensures that both can, uh, both Canadians and its employees are aware that the CRA takes any form of wrongdoing uh, very seriously. Well, so, yeah, obviously, but that's their whole thing. <laughs> so, oh, the CRA takes fraud seriously, really. So they said this whole thing, but at the end, this is like each review is going to be handled on a case by case basis. So we probably won't know till next year how many people they actually fired in total, but 20 off the bat that they knew right away, like guilty kind of thing. So unbelievable. 
And then there's the White House. Oh, I don't know if this was a cleaner my. that found this. I don't know if this was a dog that found this. There are a lot of questions tonight after the Secret Service found what's believed to be a bag of cocaine at the White House. Sources tell CBS News it was discovered in a common workspace in the West Wing on Sunday night. The area is accessible to tour groups. Now, the Secret Service is investigating just how it got there. The president and his family were at Camp David Sunday night. Uh-huh. I mean, it's got to be Don Jr.'s, right? Like, this has to be a leftover, like, you know? Don Jr. or Don Sr.? Don, I think Don Jr. is probably the guy. He's always revved up. He's always sweating. He's always yelling, you know, the, the beady eyes. and You know what this is? Is this, this is just somebody that, like, wore their coat from the weekend into work on Monday, yeah. and then they like leaned back in their desk chair, and the baggie fell out, mm-hmm. and uh, and then now they're realizing, like number one, they were kind of like, ah, shoot, I lost my blow, like I lost, ah, shoot, and then now CNN, Fox, CBS, ABC, everybody's reporting <laughs> on it. There's cop, everybody's showing the, the the video footage. There's cops with their lights going outside the White House. So this is this person's biggest mistake. I think that there's probably more cocaine use in the White House I than was just, people would suspect. I was just going to say that. I, I say I think this is someone's pick-me-up. I mean, long hours working in politics in Washington in the White House. I mean, if you're not on Adderall or cocaine or something. I mean, <laughs> I mean don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I would guess that you need something to, to pull hours where you're sleeping two nights or two uh, hours a night kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, Colin says, this is crazy. Politicians would never do cocaine. I'm with you, Colin. It is so <laughs> hard to believe that a politician at the highest level in the White House, how do you think it's named the White House in the first place? Oh, I knew you were going to oh, bring this Oh, it's <laughs> snowing in July in Joe Biden's White House. There you go. Unbelievable story. Have you ever dropped something at work that you just absolutely panicked over? I swear you, to God, you were just going like to ask that? me if I had, had ever done cocaine. I was going to be like, you're taking the show on the wrong. You want to get into it? Have I ever dropped something like an illicit substance at well, work? Well, no, I just no. ever dropped something that just made you panic. Mm, I don't think, though. Not not at work. Not in front. Not n- Never, you know. Never, never caught. Yeah, never something. caught. Yeah, my brother, my, our, our cousin, uh, you know, fairly religious fella, uh, threw a wedding, and it was a dry wedding, uh, a dry reception as well, which is perfectly fine. Uh, I mean, ish. And uh, my brother had a flask. My brother's acting like he's like seventeen years old. Had a flask in his sock. Uh, but my brother never met a dance floor he didn't like. And uh, he started really getting into it on the dance floor. And I'll never forget. I think it was Dr. McGillicuddy's or something that he had in the flask. The flask went skidding across the dance floor. As he making was all this noise as he was <laughs> dancing. This flask goes sliding across the dance floor pretty much within 10 feet of the bride. And uh, I don't think he even went to claim it. That was enough. He had found flask. himself in enough trouble. Got the it's, dirty look from the bride, you know? A flask. I don't know if it's like 17-year-old, but it always strikes me as someone trying to be like, I'm a tortured soul. I can't go without my booze. The flask? Day. Yeah. Well, it was actually, it was because a it's Mickey. All, it's it was all, a Mickey. It wasn't, oh, like okay. an, it wasn't like a stainless steel flask. Like a flask is always like in movies where the cops yeah. had a rough day and he's, he's sitting with someone and he's like, takes it out and... Well, I was thinking you like, want a sip. And they're, they're you like, might have an alcohol problem if you're rolling around with a flask in your pocket at all times. That's what I'm saying. Like having to wait to go to the bar or to your liquor cabinet is just 
too long a wait. So you got the flask. <laughs> One thing I've never liked about the flask is that once it's empty, then you're stuck with the container. And then you've got to carry this like thing metal. around. You know, it's, you got to carry around this empty metal container. Anyways, I, I think it was Don. Thing. Look at this. This had to be it. This is just... <laughs> People watching on YouTube. Don Jr. These are this is Don Jr. in four different stages of withdrawal from Coke uh, is what it looks like. Uh, also known as screen grabs from any of his social media posts. But I mean, the, the first thing everyone would think is this has got to be Trump's camp. Like, there's no way, you know, but I do see. He's been out of there forever. There's no way. I do see some uh, people uh, putting up on uh <laughs> Putting out like Fox News put out something that said like blow Biden or something like that. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, blow Biden. Yeah, Ooh. that's a pretty good one. Uh, Sylvia says that her friend had his dentures slide across the dance floor. That beats Whoa. the that beats the flask story by a million points. That's very well done. And what do you do? You pick him up, you put him in a glass of water, you kind of well, I guess stir if it's around, dentures, you just kind of own it. <laughs> You know, it's like the, it's like those guys that have the toupee blow off, and then like then what are you gonna do? You got to just kind of own it, right? Yeah. I mean, that would be you know, dentures you can have a lot of fun with. Mm -hmm. uh, says the guy who doesn't wear dentures. I don't know. People that legit wear them are like, you have no idea. Mm -hmm. You have no idea. Uh, these conversations, these reputable, important, cutting conversations where we get to the issues that really matter, like whose coke it is in the White House, are presented by which one of our sponsors wants to navigate this one. When Eden it's snowing, when it's snowing, Eden Landscaping is in. Oh, they're gonna, I'm going to get a call from these guys for sure. Uh, the planning stages. And uh, I got an exciting update today. Our excavation is about to happen in our backyard. Real talkers, we have hired Eden to bring our backyard space to life. And I've been telling you about this is just real life stuff for us. Uh, we've got two beautiful dogs, but that means that our grass looks terrible. And we got two young kids that love to roam and they need a play space that's functional, but we love entertaining as well. So we want that space to look good. We gave Eden that mandate and the design that they've come up with is absolutely remarkable. I have seen firsthand how they work as a full service landscaper to make sure that no stone is left unturned and their customer service along the way is unmatched. I'm giving them two thumbs up. I can't wait to show you the finished product, the before and after pictures. You can have your own outdoor space brought to life. The consult starts today by visiting Mike and his team online. That's Eden Landscaping at landscapeedmonton.ca. You know, there's a lot of Real Talk sponsors that are hiring right now, which is really exciting for us. We love delivering this. This is good news, right? The economy's picking back up. People are finding work. And uh, in some circumstances, this could be the opportunity you've been waiting for. If you're a professional engineer or if you know somebody, heck, maybe it's you about to graduate from an engineering school, Apex Automation is hiring right now. That's right. They're looking for all kinds of engineers, electrical, instrumentation, computer science, process engineers mechanical engineers, electricians, instrument technicians, you name it. Their goal is to have a well-rounded team that can deliver turnkey projects for their clients. They know that not one person does it all on their own. It takes a team and they're proud to be giving back to the communities that they live and work in. That means that thousands of dollars have been raised for local charities in Edmonton, Calgary, Lloydminster, Saskatoon, and beyond. They've just opened a field office in Texas. Your engineering career could get that boost it needs today by visiting apexautomation.ca. 
John, do you have a, a certain Dairy Queen treat in mind that you'd like to talk about today? I know that we got the Dairy Free Dilly. That's kind of your go-to, but I spend all this time talking about Dairy Queen treats. Did you want to grab the mic? Treats? And- I love the fries at Dairy Queen. Ooh. Ooh what do you cut? like about them Just in particular? The thick cut. I love them. Salted to perfection. I love to grab that and then a dilly bar and go sweet, salty, sweet, salty. Oh, boy. Back and forth all summer. Do you ever dip your fries in that Dairy Queen soft oh, serve? Oh, my gosh. Right? Dipping fries into Dairy Queen soft serve is one of the most underrated moves you can make. I want to take a quick second to let you know as well about perhaps the most underrated item on the entire DQ menu. Oh, really? And that is, yeah, I'm serious, the churro-dipped cone. Have you ever tried this? No. Uh, This is unreal. Elevate your cone experience. Uh, The churro-dipped cone delivers a sweet twist on a classic treat, starting with, of course, that world-famous Dairy Queen soft serve with the signature DQ curl, obviously. And then all that goodness dipped in churro-flavored cone coating, followed by a sprinkling of iconic cinnamon sugar topping. The churro-dipped cone bringing together two classic flavors to bring you a DQ version of that classic churro treat. And you can try it today. Ask for it by name and let them know that Real Talk sent you at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. And before, of course, we get to some of our remarks on what's coming up here on the show, a big announcement. I wanted to remind you that this studio that we operate out of every single day was built in unbelievable fashion on a timeline we could barely believe by the team at Complete Care Restoration. Now, their main gig is fire damage, flood damage, and helping people get rid of mold and asbestos, but they do construction and renovation as well. And it was an absolute pleasure working with their team. I've told you, all I need to say, you see them drilling holes in a wall. One guy's drilling the holes. The other guy's holding the vacuum underneath to make sure that no dust hits the floor. Say no more. This is how these guys operate. Every single day they leave the job site, it is in perfect condition, or at least on its way there. Now, we know that some Alberta communities have been absolutely devastated by fire and flood. How about our friends and neighbors in central Alberta with that tornado on Saturday? If you're looking to rebuild and you want to do it with a company you can trust, we recommend CompleteCareRestoration.ca. People are sharing their denture stories in the chat, which is amazing. Sylvia says that her friend that lost him on the dance floor picked him up and ran out of the room. Uh, M. Aitken says, my dad had his dentures in his shirt pocket and they fell out of the walkway at the Calgary Cannons baseball game we were at. He said, she says, he made me pick them up. Ugh. Holding someone else's dentures. That's a heck of a thing. That's a heck of a thing. Coming up on tomorrow's Real Talk, this really is a remarkable story. We're going to connect with a well-known, a popular and accomplished weathercaster out of the state of Iowa who's walking away from his broadcast career. He says, telling the truth, reporting on climate change has created an untenable circumstance, death threats, targeting his family, abuse, he needs a mental health break, and so he's taking one. We're going to connect with him one-on-one. And then circular calendar for Friday, our Real Talk Roundtable featuring the stars of Steel and Vance, Linda Steele and Jody Vance. We'll see you tomorrow. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, executive producer Josh Dunford, Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human resources, Lena Shepard. 
Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.